Welcome to 84 Ounces to Freedom, everyone. I am your host, Mr. Cole. Um, happy to have you here for episode 19. Um, I have a noisy chair, so you're probably going to hear that throughout the episode. Um, what I do want to talk about, and you know, besides trucks, as you know, I'm an expert on trucks, and that's all I ever talk about, is... Uh, what I'm drinking on this episode. So what I have here today from is a bottle I got from my Flavier subscription and it is a thing called Green Hat Gin. Um, and this is the original batch. It gets its name from the green hat wearing bootlegger during Prohibition, George Cassidy. <clears throat> and the interesting thing about this uh, gin, besides what else I'm going to talk about, on Flavier, they recommend trying gin with uh, Earl Grey tea because it complements uh, the botanical flavors and everything. So uh, I have that right here, a little Earl Grey tea on ice with a piece of lime and uh, the Green Hat gin. So I'm trying it for the first time right now. Oh wow, and that is delightful. <clears throat> this is an excellent gin, probably one of the best gins I've ever drank. Um, but getting back to who is George Cassidy anyways and why Green Hat Gin. Um, George fought in World War I and founded the Irish War Veterans, Veterans Association. When he couldn't qualify for a job working on the Pennsylvania Railroad, a friend of his mentioned to him that liquor was selling for more money on Capitol Hill than anywhere else in Washington. Uh, so he kind of got into this business just from that mention from a friend, almost kind of by accident. So George Cassidy sold booze on Capitol Hill from 1920 to 1930. When he was arrested in 1930, he agreed to stop bootlegging and he wrote six articles for the Washington Post. He told his whole story, but did not name names. Cassidy estimated that from his experience, four out of every five senators and congressmen were heavy drinkers of alcohol, whether at the office or in their home. Cassidy was convicted of a felony and sentenced to 18 months in prison. Uh, he was allowed to sign out every night and sign back in every morning. So he literally never spent a night in jail. I've been looking for green hat gin for a long time. I heard a rumor that is the drink of choice of libertarians. Um, I finally found it through my Flavier subscription and uh, I didn't find any evidence on the interwebs that this was a libertarian favorite but I did find that a lot of them do drink gin and tonic with a slice of lime, which I am also drinking right now, along with the Earl Grey tea mix. Yes, double-handed. Um, and Green Hat Gin offers a bunch of different styles, too. You can get Navy Strength, which is even stronger. There's a Botanical Batch and uh, another one that uh, is a... A British kind of thing and um, 
I know I wrote, I wrote about it here, but it seems like my computer did not save that. I wonder how much more of this episode is actually missing. Well, I suppose we'll find out as we keep going because I had a lot more information on that and it is not here. Well, anyways, check it out. If you have a Flavier membership, you can get it pretty easily. You can actually go to Green Hat Gin's website and order it. Um, I think they're the first distillery in Washington since the end of Prohibition. Prohibition and uh, they've been rated number one for their gins. I'll, again, this is stuff just off the top of my head because that information seems to be missing here, which I had very well documented. <clears throat> wow. This, this is the doomed episode. When I was making my drinks before I started recording, I literally spilled my fever tree tonic. I knocked one of the bottles over onto my computer, so we almost lost it completely. But I was able to get it dried off and it's working. And uh, now this, crazy. So the next thing I wanna talk about is a podcast that um, I'm really into right now. Um, I've been binge listening to it, got completely caught up with all the episodes and a few weeks went by and you know the guy hadn't put out anything else and I thought, wow, is this done? And I hope not because I really love this podcast and then all of a sudden uh, last week an episode popped up and then this week an episode popped up that they're just, uh, so he's back on it. And, he, and who knows, I can't criticize anybody for how often they put out an episode as you know I'm totally unpredictable. But this podcast has led me to a ton of underground horror that I did not know about. And no, it's not the post-mortem show with Dom and JD. Surprise, surprise. But I learned about this podcast from their show, Postmortem. I just finished binging it after I heard uh, Jonathan's Doe, Jonathan Doe's interview on the Postmortem show, episode 302. So... If you want to catch that interview, go to episode 302 of the Postmortem Horror Show with Dom and JD, not Postmortem with that other fucking guy. Anyways, Jonathan Doe's podcast is called The Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club. On the podcast, Jonathan Doe interviews the coolest people from underground horror and other dark corners of the world. The Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast is a place where curiosity is welcome and no topic is too taboo to tread. On one of his episodes, he interviewed James Bell of Very Fine Crap Videos. And I'll be talking about not one, but three of his movies today on the Two Extreme for the Mainstream section. Mr. Doe also has some of his own movies available on Putrid Productions. Barf Bunny and The Degenerates are two that I have purchased and watched. And again, you can hear Jonathan talk about those movies on Postmortem episode 302. And you can hear Dom and JD's ratings on, uh, I don't think they rate Barf Bunny, but they do rate The Degenerates. Um, and I'll be talking about one 
of Mr. Doe's movies on episode 20. Uh, which I will start writing as soon as I get the movie in the t-shirt I ordered. Which there was some confusion on the t-shirt, but it's straightened out now, so I should have that anytime. Jonathan Doe also has a YouTube channel called Cinema's Underbelly. This channel is devoted to the world of underground cinema, offering analysis and review of some of the most obscure, controversial, and hard-to-find films that cinema has to offer. Additionally, this channel also conducts interviews with prominent figures within the horror community in an effort to offer an even deeper look into the world of extreme cinema. So his YouTube channel kind of goes hand-in-hand with his podcast. How Jonathan Doe has made these connections is beyond me. But it is fucking cool, the people he talks to. And uh, just the insight that you get that you don't normally get from just watching a horror film. You know what I mean? When you talk to the people that made it or were in it, um, you, learn, you learn so much more. And then you got to go back and watch that movie again because you have a completely different understanding. This dude, Jonathan Doe, is busy. I will put all the links to Jonathan Doe's stuff as well as James Bell's stuff on the Facebook group 84 Answers to Freedom. Um, Wow. Then I had a medical serial killer part that went here that is missing as well as an interesting historical story that's missing. That's great. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm taking another drink before I move forward because this is falling apart. What in the fuck? Like, half my episode appears to not be here. I'm going to go back to pencil and paper, you guys. Okay. Well, I guess we're going to the too extreme for mainstream section since the other two sections appear to be lost. Um, Today we're talking about very fine crap videos, as I just mentioned. Uh, Very Fine Crap Videos is a video production company that specializes in extreme horror gore movies, special effects props, and random art founded by James and May Bell in 2012 out of the Detroit, Michigan area. Kids Kill Kids is James Bell's music. You can listen to three songs for free on verifyingcrapvideos.com and an additional three songs are available for purchase at $1 each. All of his movies are for sale for $10 each. How can you go wrong, guys? If you like horror and hardcore underground gore films that you can't find anywhere, 10 bucks is not a huge risk. So I ordered three. Um, just based on the interview, the episode of um, Uneasy Terrain Explorers where Jonathan Doe interviewed James Bell, um, they talked about all his films and I kind of picked the three that really sounded like I wanted to see him or that kind of encompassed like his beginning, middle, and close to newest 
films. So, so I could kind of get an overview. I can tell you there's more than three films available there. I'm going to be buying more because I fucking love these movies. Um, so when I ordered three of them, my receipt was emailed to me by Amanda Bell. I'm assuming this is a relative. Very Fine Crap Videos seems to be very much a family-run business. Um, and I like that. The DVDs arrived very quickly, and they were wrapped in pink flamingo plastic wrap. I'm guessing as a nod to John Waters' film, Pink Flamingos. I was surprised to find that all the DVDs were signed and numbered by James Bell and uh, in two cases also by May Bell. The first film I watched um, has the intriguing title, Dog Dick. And I didn't see any dog dick in the movie. <clears throat> but this DVD instantly starts and then it says that it should be played loud. There's no previews or like screen to select play or any of that crap. It just fucking, the movie just fucking starts. I don't think I even had to hit play. Dog Dick, a.k.a. White Trash Holocaust, I learned from his interview with John Doe, that he just decided he was going to make a movie. So he started just filming everyone and everything. And people were like, what the, f what are you doing? He's like, I'm making a movie. And like, people didn't believe him, but he just did it. Um, this film, actually, there's no nudity or gore, but this still, still this film manages to be pretty fucked up. It's fucked up people doing fucked up things. There's a lot of weird footage in this film, and you really have to experience it more than just watch it. Here's what I love about this movie and the other two. When the movie ends, it just starts all over from the beginning in a loop. Title pages and bonus features and other choices, you know, all that bullshit is for pussies. If I get drunk and pass out, I wake up, this movie's still going no matter what. It's not stuck on some repeating title page. It's pretty cool. It's pre pretty smart. I like that. Um, yeah, and the movie's just weird people doing weird shit. And at the end, there's a preview of The Bleak, which I'm very excited to watch. It's going to be one of the films I order next. The second of his films I watched was called The Bliss. My copy of The Bliss is signed by James and May Bell, his wife, and is numbered number 312 on the cover. The cover is a weird version of American Gothic, but the char characters are wearing disturbing masks. The woman's dress is cut so that her breasts are exposed and she's cradling. Jesus Christ. Excuse me. She is cradling a decomposing baby. The man is holding not a pitchfork, but some weird steel bar with three hoes of double hooks on it that point upward. It's very strange looking. There is no dialogue in this film, but there is Kids Kill Kids music in it, which fits the film so well that any dialogue really isn't needed. It's just the perfect companion for this. It kind of reminds me of the mu music of Greasy Strangler for some reason. <laughs> this is a gore art film with a perfect music accompaniment. So you have to check it out. 
there is a brutal breast piercing with that fucked up hook thing from the cover. And I don't want to spoil anything else. This movie gets even more batshit crazy after that scene. And, and right away, literally, this film is just off the wall. I like the multiple screenshots where it shows like different screens at the same time on the, on the TV. It kind of reminds me of like 70s movies or sometimes you see Tarantino do this kind of shit where there's more than one frame happening. Um, it's a gore art film full of gory practical effects that I think is about the self-destruction of the American family. But you should watch it and decide for yourself. And hey, it's 10 bucks. This is a family endeavor. Help them out. And you can't go wrong with it. I, you know, when I can't find anything to watch, I'll just throw one of these on and just and I just enjoy it. The third movie I bought is called Tantrum. My copy of Tantrum was also signed by James and May Bell and numbered... 1013 there's a description on the back that reads a man commits suicide and ignites a firestorm of visions from his past dreams of his future and his twisted desire the cover is a disturbing watercolor painting of what appears to be a bleeding maybe pregnant woman with flailing hands when I watched this, my two little dogs, Lila Dog and Harry Winston, were sitting on my lap. And uh, Lila Dog and Harry Winston aren't really my dogs per se. They're dogs that belong to other people in the family. But when uh, I'm there alone watching horror films, they're right there with me. They were very intrigued by this movie. They couldn't take their eyes off of it. And both of them had their ears up and they were turning their heads sideways with interest as the music changed. Um, I don't think the music on this is kid, Kill Kids. Um, there's actually a part in the... <laughs> so there's a part in the at the end in the credits where it says the different people that do music. But because my fucking dogs ate my remote for my DVD player... Again, all I can do is use the buttons on the front of it, which are stop, play, and pause. So I can't, like, rewind anything. I have to just catch it. And I can't use, like, chapters or fast-forward or rewind. And, and his movies don't have chapters anyways. They just start and keep going. And if you miss it, it just loops back around. I, I have no... I don't, you know what? I don't even think there is a pause. It's just play and stop is what I have on the fucking machine. So, And that's one cool thing. There's no bonus features on these because there's no menu to select them. So I'm not missing that stuff. But I'm going to have to buy another fucking DVD player just so I can get a remote. So that I can, you know, I have other films with special features that I'd like to see. Um... There's a lot of blood in this film. We get to see what James and Maybell actually look like without masks on in this, but at times they're still wearing weird masks. Uh, there's also a drug dealer guy in this movie. Um, sorry, drug dealer guy. I saw his name in the credits, 
but didn't write it down. Again, it got away from me too fast. Um, the mutilation in this will disturb you, and the gushing blood. <laughs> there is headshot gushing blood throughout this whole thing that is insanity. It's like, not fountain-esque like, what is that, um, that Japanese gore cop movie I think it's called where like they cut off limbs and it sprays like they have a fucking sprinkler on it's not that extreme but it, there is gushing blood that it, in this movie that is only exceeded by the gushing semen this movie's fucked up you gotta check it out and uh, the music again pairs so well with what you're seeing um, you just gotta check it out um and awesome. That's the end of everything because I'm missing everything else. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go into the end of the episode and tell you guys, thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, I'm on Patreon. 100% of money donated will go to alcohol. Check out my YouTube channel where I make homebrew on Mr. Cole's homebrew on the YouTube you will hear some of my music and my friend's music on that channel. It's so underground, the underground doesn't even know. If you're in Lake County, California, stop by my knife shop. That's where I'm at right now. I'm upstairs where I sell knives and coin rings at 3577 Main Street, Kelseyville, California. It's also a full gift shop and day spa. We do hair, nails, and skin services. We also now are pouring monument mountain wine and tape doing tastings and we're serving cowlick ice cream and reach out to me on on the gmail at 84 ounces to freedom.com or it's uh that's not true it's 84 ounces to freedom at gmail.com and that's the numbers eight four the letters oz the number two the word freedom at gmail.com Feel free to give recommendations and let me know what you think of the show. And uh, if you're listening on a podcast channel that you can leave ratings, please leave a five-star review. That would be appreciated. But please leave any kind of review. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Um, good, bad, or whatever. And I'll read them on the show. Hopefully in the next two weeks... I always shoot, shoot for two weeks, but it seems like a month goes by and I don't even have my shit together. Uh, and I'm missing half this episode. So thank you for listening. And in the words of Tickle from Moonshiners, I never get too drunk. I get just drunk enough. Now, I'm going to stop the recording here and see if I can recover my missing files. And if so, I will add to this episode and it'll end in the middle and then continue so allow it to keep playing or it may just stop i don't know thanks for listening you guys <clears throat> wow welcome to the twilight zone um I'd love to use JD's catchphrase and say, and we're back, but I just don't think I have his level of skill of delivering it. Guess what? 
I found all my shit. Um, this is a much more well-written podcast and has way more information on everything. Um, the proper thing to do would be to scratch the previous recording and start all over. But um, here at... Uh, we don't edit studios. I, I don't like to edit shit, and I don't like. I hate to start all over. And besides, I don't know if I could keep drinking this gin from the beginning again. And I don't know. I'm sorry, you guys. This is episode slash fucked nineteen. But I did have some other things to say about Green Hat Distillery, especially like what I'm drinking. The original batch green hat gin is described as being made from that made for those that appreciate a juniper forward blend balanced with original botanicals. The green hat distillery is the first distillery in Washington DC since prohibition. Ha ha, I got that right. They also serve navy strength, which is a high proof gin, citrus floral, has a burst of spring mixed botanicals and aromas of lemon and sweet orange. And Summer's Cup is in the British tradition. I got that right too. It's an infusion of the Navy strength and additional botanicals. And as you know, we know where Green Hat gets its name. We know he fought in World War One, And that was the information it looks like that I was missing. From the first segment. And we talked about Jonathan Doe. Covered all that. Oh, look at here. <clears throat> Here's my medical serial killer section. Thank God. Even as a young boy, Stefan Letter, and that's spelled S-T-E-P-H-A-N, so I assume it's pronounced Stefan, not Steven. Stefan Letter wanted to work in the medical field. He wanted to be an emergency room doctor, but due to his grades, he can only work as a nurse. He volunteered at the Red Cross while he was still in nursing college in Ludwigsburg. I'm sure I said that perfectly. Uh, one of his jobs was to deliver elderly patients from their homes to the clinic. Co-workers described him as a passionate and caring but person, but sometimes he would display emotion in an unprofessional manner. Kind of like he was more concerned for his patients and overreacting for their pain and suffering than he really should be. This chair is going to be through the whole thing. I can, I can tell already. It's terrible. His first job after graduating was at Somthofen Clinic in Bavaria. He worked the night shift, and he seemed to be a competent worker that really cared for his patients. Their suffering seemed to affect him on a personal level, though. He would become very distressed for his ill patients. In his first months at Somthofen, this name is here to destroy me. There was a noticeable increase of mortality 
in the hospital. Most of the people were over 75, so it didn't cause much alarm. A patient that was 40 and one that was 47 died, though. But they were both extremely ill, so it was not unexpected for them to pass away. Letter was choosing his victims wisely. Then he started slipping, and patients that were on the mend and expected to fully recover started to mysteriously expire. You would think cases like this, plus the elevated numbers of deaths, would raise eyebrows, but it didn't. When it was discovered that a large amount of drugs were missing, they began to think they were dealing with a serial killer. In 2004, the hospital called police to report that a lot of muscle-relaxing drug was missing. The medicine was not considered a dangerous drug. Doctors and nurses could use the drug as needed, but the amount that was unaccounted for put it into the lethal category. There was no value for this drug on the street, so the investigators believed they had a thief who was also a murderer in the hospital. It was easy for them to track him down. They just compared the schedule to when the drugs were noticed to have gone missing. There was only one person it could be, Stefan Letter. While being questioned about the theft and why he would steal tranquilizers, he suddenly cracked and that he had said that he had killed 16 patients, maybe more. He claimed to be a mercy killer like Kevorkian, but here's the difference. He didn't discuss it with the patients. He made the decision for them. He said he wanted to release their souls from a life of pain. He would listen when the doctors discussed the patient's conditions. If he decided they were not likely to recover, he would come into their room at night and administer a lethal, excuse me, a lethal dose of the drugs that he had stolen. When they died, he would alert the doctor, and many times he consoled the grieving relatives. Many of his victims were expected to fully recover, and others were new admissions that hadn't even been diagnosed, excuse me, diagnosed yet. His explanations were looking pretty fucking thin. If he hadn't played God, many of them would have lived. During the ensuing investigation, vials of unopened lystethanon were found in his apartment. 42 bodies were exhumed. 38 had been cremated, so they couldn't do anything there. He is considered to be Germany's worst serial killer since World War II. Letter was tried in 2006. His mercy killing, his mercy killing defense was easily exposed to be a lie, and he was convicted on 12 counts of murder, 15 counts of manslaughter, and one count of killing on demand which I couldn't find anywhere what killing on demand means, I think. I don't know what I think it is. If someone knows, email me or or send me a message on the Facebook group and let me know what killing on demand means and I'll update everyone on the next episode. He mouthed the words, I'm sorry, to the relatives of his victims in the courtroom as he was taken away. Stephen Letter was sentenced to life with no upper limit, uh, 
this is a Germany thing. So he will not be eligible for release after the mandatory 15 years. Um, so yeah, scary dude. You think you're safe in the hospital and there's guys like that. And then I see everything else I talked about here. I guess I don't have an interesting historical story. Oh yeah, it says interesting historic story and there is nothing. I guess um, kind of the story of the green hat dude falls under that. Or am I going to find more files? <laughs> Fuck. It's ridiculous. Hey, thanks for listening, guys. This is episode fucked 19. Um, I'm not going to repeat any other stuff because you got the end in the middle. And now this is the end at the end. Um, Jim Morrison, this is the end. Thanks, everybody. One more thing I neglected to mention, and I don't know how I missed this, but Jonathan Doe also owns Putrid Productions, which is a website where you can buy his movies and other movies that, as far as I know, are only available there. That's where I bought Barf Bunny. That's where I bought um, The Degenerates. And next episode as soon as i get it i'll be talking about his movie um oh fuck i forgot the name (laughs) i think it's called symbology basically it's a movie with a bunch of different underground producers that make a short movie based on a symbol like one guy's symbol might be question mark or it might be pentagram or it might be exclamation and they may have to make a short movie uh, based on that symbol. So uh, I'll be talking about that in the next episode. Sorry, Jonathan Doe, that I forgot to mention your webpage, but here it is, Putrid Productions. Go there and get yourself some extreme underground films you can't get anywhere else. Thanks, guys. <laughs>